Hello, welcome to Think Therapy with your host, Maria Perrin. Join us as we chat with healthcare leaders and learn more about trends in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by Therapy Brains, practice management software made easy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Therapy Brands podcast about electronic visit verification, or EVV. I'm Maria Perrin, and my guest today is Emmett O'Gara. Emmett is a healthcare industry veteran with over 30 years experience in healthcare and technology leadership. He began his career in the payer space, working with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts and Cigna. He moved into healthcare technology as general manager for Medi Analytics with payer and provider partnerships, and he was president of HMS's Population Health Division. Today, Emmett is CEO of Sandata, which is a leading provider of EVV software and services and other solutions for home care and IDD agencies, as well as Medicaid managed care plans and state agencies. Welcome, Emmett. Thank you, Maria. I'm very happy to be here. Great, great. So, uh, we have an audience that is likely to know some things about uh, EVV, but for our listeners who are not familiar with it, can you give us a brief overview of what it is and why is it important? Sure. Um, I'm happy to do that. And uh, EVV, um, what it is, is actually relatively straightforward. So uh, EVV is the technology that um, basically verifies that a visit occurs, a visit uh, primarily in the home. Uh, that's the intent of EVV. Um, and uh, that can be done electronically or telephonically. And, um, you know, so so the, the what is is simple. The, the why uh, is a little bit um, more interesting because I think there's a lot of folks that um, really have a misunderstanding of, of, of EVV. Um, so, so uh, the, the why is it important? Well, it, it's actually the um, technology that ensures that the care being uh, reimbursed is actually occurred. So, um, you know, at a minimum, it is uh, uh, it ensures fidelity in the system. And since EVV is um, at least in its current state pretty tightly tied to um, Medicaid, that's that's really important that we ensure any dollars being spent um, or on services that actually occurred. A um, couple, couple kind of misconceptions about EVV. Um, one is uh, around privacy. Uh, I think there's a, and I've actually seen some of some of the, um, um, I'll call it fake news that's out there that says EVV is an invasion of privacy. Uh, it tracks caregivers, uh, things of that nature. Uh, actually, that's that's untrue. Um, you know, um, the way that EVV is administered, it's only tracking um, a caregiver. Um, from the uh, beginning to the end of a of a, vis- of a visit, so it's not not certainly not uh, following individuals around. Um, certainly, it does identify if um, a caregiver says I, I'm in a certain location for a certain amount of time, um, and uh, that is and that is not the case. We can identify that, and we, we do that on on behalf of our Medicaid uh, states, um, and have been able to identify and eliminate a relatively significant amount of fraud um, in, in the system, uh, and we're proud of that. But, uh, but beyond that, it's, it's not, certainly not tracking the, uh, the comings and goings of caregivers. Uh, secondly, um, you know, there's been some talk about um, 
electric electronic visit verification in some ways almost um, uh, inhibiting access to care or deter trying to determine um, where an individual should uh, access care. And that's really not the case. So, you know, the, the, the intent of the system is that uh, an individual um, can access care either in the home or the community um, and kind of creates a, a, almost a level playing field. So obviously community-based care, um, if you're receiving care, in, for example, a skilled nursing facility or something of that nature, uh, has all kinds of safeguards to ensure that the care is being delivered um, um, appropriately. In the home, technology is necessary to, 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 to bring that same amount of rigor, uh, and that's really the intent of, of EBV, and that's why it's important. So, so I like to think of it more of um, more than just kind of a um, payment integrity uh, solution, but also uh, actually a care solution, ensuring that the proper care is delivered and, you know, when, when it should be and for the amount of time it should be and that ultimately you're following a care plan um, appropriately for reimbursement. Yeah, and certainly we want to protect our most vulnerable citizens, those who are covered under Medicaid. So for all the reasons you discussed, this is an important program. Uh, you, you talked about certain healthcare services. Can you uh, tell us which healthcare services sure. are subject to EVV regulation? Yeah. You know, so, so, so today there's kind of two main categories of care um, that, that falls within um, the, the, at least the Cures Act, um, which is the primary um, legislation that brought EVV to the forefront. Um, so that's that's uh, personal care services um, and and uh, home health care services. And, and really the easiest way to understand the difference between the two, personal care services are non-clinical. Um, so an aide comes to the home to assist with uh, basic needs of an individual, um, which are we have now learned, of course, as we as we get um, smarter about whole health, are critical to the out in clinical outcome of an individual, even if they're not clinical services. And then, of course, those clinical services um, that can be performed in the home that falls under the um, home health care services um, uh, category. So, um, home. <laughs> see if I get this right because they're, they're very close. Home uh, home care. Uh, um, you know, those non-clinical things uh, were mandated as of 1120 uh, to the uh, 2020. Uh, though there was good, there were good faith exemptions available if, an, if a state wanted to delay till uh, 2021. Home health care services uh, are mandated by 1123, uh, so that's coming up. Um, though there are good faith exemptions available, and some states have chosen that. Uh, to push that uh, deadline uh, out to one one twenty four, um, and so uh, just to give you a little bit more kind of flavor of the the clinical side of the world, it, it's really at the state's option um, what what gets captured in that clinical kind of bucket. Uh, but some ex examples are, are physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, speech pathology, audiology. So you know those types of things that can occur in a non clinical setting, but are clinical in nature. Uh, fall into the um, um, the home uh, health care services bucket. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. And I know at Therapy Brands, we have um, many providers who provide those services. I am hearing from them that the states are taking 
very different approaches. So that's nothing new at Medicaid. We know you've seen one Medicaid program, you've seen one Medicaid program. Um, So uh, how are you seeing the different state models? Can you give us some examples of of how they they are varying? Sure, Uh, and and you're absolutely right. Um, You know, even though uh, some of the core tenants are, are consistent and need to be consistent, Um, there's all kinds of, uh, nuances state by state. Um, so at, you know, at its core, the thing that, that, that kind of the, um, the program that has to be delivered, um, has, has six kind of key data points that have to be captured. And that's consistent across, um, uh, any states that are complying with, with cures. So, um, you have to capture what service is being performed. Um, you have to capture who is receiving the service. You have to capture who's delivering the service. You have to capture the location of the service, the date of the service, um, and then the start and end time of the service. So regardless of how states want to um, uh, customize or, or alter um, the program, those six kind of elements, that's, that's, that's the core to EVV, um, and those are consistent throughout. Um you know, where they start to, to, to vary are um, uh, mostly around, well, there's the, um, the, the models that they employ um, around home health care and, and EVV. Um, and there's a, there's a variety of models that can be employed. Um, at, at its highest level, there's open models and closed models. And as you can imagine, open models mean choice and, um, you know, we have found that we as an organization, and I think we as an industry have found um, the open models are, are much better received um, by especially providers in those states. Um, and, and so whether it's, um, you know, um, a uh, kind of provider choice model where um, providers are choosing, um, you know, what system works best for them, whether it's a open choice model, which is a little very similar, but um, usually the state will offer a solution, but you can choose your own. So it's kind of, you know, hey, if you if you want to just take the state solution that's available to you, if you have a solution that works for you, you can keep your solution. Um, obviously, that sounds very similar to Obamacare and all that, but it is, you know, it's in, of course, in that same uh, uh, vein. But there are closed solutions where states will mandate. You know, you you need to use this system um, or make it very difficult um, for providers to have individual choice. Um, We're we're starting to see a trend of even states that embrace that because that's uh, from a technology standpoint, the simplest model when when you have uniformity. Um, But even in states that embrace that early on, we're seeing some uh, some some uh, trends to move away from that and into open models, which is. Um, as a provider associations get used to this, the EVV program, for some of them, it's the first time they've ever had to do this. They're realizing that they would like a little bit more control and are, are advocating to, to open models up. Um, so there's definitely some, some variation there. And then beyond just the model that's employed, um, data that's being collected um, can vary state by state. Uh, we do work with the state of Arizona, which who has, have chosen to collect social determinant of health data, which is incredibly uh, important to understand if you're in, interested in the whole health of an individual. Um, and so, um, you know, as states kind of vary their programs, um, we're going to start seeing, I believe, um, you know, much more of a focus on uh, more of a 
more of a population health flavor to EVV. Um, and, uh, and I think that's really positive, um, positive for certainly um, the Medicaid population, um, but also for companies like mine that um, really believe EVV uh, is just the beginning of what we can do in post-acute care. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting to hear about the trends, um, both how providers are trending towards a more open model and about the use of social determinants. I think um, uh, our providers would be very interested in, in that as well. Do you have any other predictions, Emmett, about the future of EVV? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, it, we're in an interesting time with EVV because, um, you know, be, between good faith exemptions and, and candidly, um, you know, some states are slower to adopt um, um, these programs and others. So we have states that have been working with EVV for years. We have states that have not yet selected a vendor or a solution for EVV, uh, e you know, even though that means they're, they're paying penalties and things of that nature. Um, you know, we're in a compliance um, phase right now. You know, people are just looking to comply. Once, um, you know, once a state chooses their, um, their EVV solution um, and gets certified, CMS certified, um, there's FMAP funding that matches, you know, their investment. Uh, so there's a strong push to comply now. Uh, they certainly want the matching funds uh, for, uh, for obvious reasons. But I do think that once we get past that, and we're uh, probably in the 75% uh, complete um, phase of, of phase one, that compliance phase, we're going to move into more of a quality and outcomes uh, phase. Um, and we've seen this in other parts of healthcare. So um, there is uh, some precedent here, but uh, but it's almost like, you know, first comply, first get the fidelity in the system, make sure that, you know, for the dollars we're paying, um, the service is being rendered. Um, that's, that's really important. But then the next logical question, the next thing you're going to want to ask is, you know, what was the quality of that service? How does it impact the outcome of the individual? And so, you know, Again, I think anybody, any organization that's working in this space is already thinking about, um, it, does that lead to value-based care and how do we position ourselves uh, for that? Or how do we collect additional data types? And that's why that Arizona example I mentioned is so important um, because to me, that's just a natural extension of what can be done. Um, you know, if you, if you uh, think about um, how do you, uh, solicit information or how do you uh, uh, gather information uh, for the purposes of population health, for the purposes of whole health care or for risk stratification or any any reason you want to do it, um, being able to physically observe an individual or ask them questions directly is so much more powerful than any other method. Um, and so, you know, we have, um, you know, at, at, at Sandata, there's 18,000 uh, agencies that use you know, our technology, you know, and, and there's similar sized organizations that have that, you know, kind of massive coverage. Um, and we're not necessarily using it to the best uh, or best advantage of, of gathering information as we could. Um, not, not because we can't, but because obviously there's a, a limited um, ask of what we do and, and it's highly regulated. As that changes, I think we'll see EVV um, shifting more into a, 
into a, a quality and outcomes uh, type solution. Um, and I think that's going to be really powerful. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I agree with you also that I don't think people think about EVV this way, but the, the potential is enormous for really moving our healthcare system forward. And on that, as a uh, healthcare industry veteran uh, like myself, and I know you think about this a lot, is there anything or what is the one thing you think that that our industry can do to really move it forward in terms of having better outcomes uh, for our citizens. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll kind of broaden my, my talk track a little bit, but I'm going to stay on a common theme, which is, um, you know, certainly at this point in, in my career, I'm focused heavily on, on Medicaid primarily, I, I, though, though Medicare will be um, coming into EVV at some point. Um, but I'm looking at that most disadvantaged part of the uh, of our population. Um, individuals receiving care and home on Medicaid, uh, you know, often have several challenges. Um, this is an underfunded part of healthcare. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but a critical piece of the healthcare continuum. And so I think that um, you know, as we move forward, as I look at the future, we're going to recognize the value of um, you know these services. You know, and, and um, both the clinical ones or, and the non-clinical in terms of the whole health of an individual, in terms of the uh, risk profile and risk progression of an individual. Um, and we'll start compensating that appropriately. Um, and then I think also as a kind of adjunct to that is uh, we'll realize that this data is a key component of an overall um, data equation um, to, to help develop much more robust understanding of these populations. So, so um, while today, you know, it is a, uh, in some cases, you know, treated as a, a mandated thing or a necessary uh, 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 component of maybe personal care, I think that we're going to see that, um, you know, that our understanding of what happens in, in the home in these post-acute settings um, will evolve. And it'll be just as, important as what happens in a preventative visit uh, in a doctor's office or in a uh, acute care setting um, or in a, a skilled nursing facility or any other uh, component of the of the care spectrum and that that's really where I see um, the future um, in, in, especially as it pertains to home health and home care that's exciting and I you know to, to any of us working in it um, and that actually interact with uh, these agencies and these caregivers and see what they go through. Um, the value of the service they provide versus um, how it's valued is, is, is way off, in my opinion. And so to, if, we, if we can do a little bit to help illustrate that, and I think, I think tying, some outcomes, um, uh, will, tying to some outcomes will help to do that, we can start advocating uh, for, for, for more dollars to flow here. And honestly, if you think about healthcare it, it, as a whole, the idea of um, aging in home, receiving care in home, um, you know, is is not going to is not going to uh, um, uh, recede. I think it's, it's only going to increase. And so, our, as we develop our understanding and we and support systems and technology that can support that, um, we want to be right at the forefront. I agree completely. Meeting people where they are is today and will continue to be extremely powerful for us. Emmett, I think that's a great place to end our podcast. Thank you for joining me today. 
Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. That's this week's episode of Think Therapy. For additional resources and solutions for therapists, visit our sponsor at therapybrands.com. Thank you for listening.